Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hey, how's it going? You know what's happening? The summer's almost over. Do you feel it? I feel it. There's almost nothing left. The summer's almost gone, but that's okay. We have each other, and that's all that really matters. A few weeks ago here in Guelph, Ontario, Glenn Jones played a show at a venue called Silence Guelph. Great new space. And uh, Glenn is a noted guitarist. He hails from the Boston, Massachusetts area. And uh, he and I, you know, I went to see the show, and then he and I decided we would meet the next day after his show and have a conversation about his new record, My Garden State, which is lovely, and also his relationship with his mentor and friend and collaborator, John Fahey, the noted guitarist John Fahey. And we talked about Glenn's mom, and we talked about lots of stuff. Kids, we talked about whether or not we wanted to have kids. As it turns out, I already have a kid. Sometimes I forget. No, that's not true. I love my son. Anyway, I think it was a good conversation. You're going to hear that and a new song by Glenn Jones from his latest record, which is out on Thrill Jockey Records. Again, My Garden State is its name. Stick around for that. Stick around for the whole thing. We have each other, right? Let's stick together. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario a proud independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza. Personally, I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio? Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade.
How was your morning in Guelph? Uh, it was good. Uh, coffee, uh, baby yelling, uh, uh, yeah. Standard kind of stuff? Uh, I don't know about standard, but yeah, <laughs> amusing. Was it like early morning kind of thing after being out late? For for me, yeah, definitely. You, you got any kids? No. No kids? Mm-mm. Ever thought about having kids? No. You don't want to have kids? No, no. Why not? Uh, well, I'm an uncle five times over, and that's enough, you know. But, uh, you know, I figure as long as, you know, new Bob Wills box sets are more important to me than children, I don't have any <laughs> business having kids, you know. Wow, very materialistic <laughs> there, Glenn. I'm surprised at you. I, well, I, one has to recognize one's, you know, limitations and accept them. Sure, sure. Have you ever come close? Have you ever, like, well, maybe I might have a kid, like, in your life? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I woke up in a sweat, like, the next day and <laughs> said, no, well, what the heck was I thinking? You right. Know? No, no, it's a, I have a child mm-hmm. named Levon. He's uh, he's going to be two in a little bit. And I, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a huge adjustment. Mm-hmm. But I've been enjoying it very much. And he loves music. Like, it's like, for me, watching you play last night, which, by the way, great show, fantastic show. But for me, and you seem like someone, like, who wants to instill information and knowledge uh, to people. Like, when I was hearing mm-hmm. you talk about your relationship with John Fahey and, and just uh, explaining your process even, you seem like a, you know, like a teacher almost. And that's kind of where you're at as a parent. You're kind of instilling knowledge in people. Mm-hmm. You seem like you'd be custom built to have a child. <laughs> uh, thanks. You, but you just, that's it. I that, guess. <laughs> you, but that's it. You don't want to have, okay, I just, I, I just, I'm curious because. No, no, I'm, I'm definitely cool. You were staying at uh, Mike Mucci's house. Mm-hmm. What did you make of Mike's performance last night? Oh, I thought it was beautiful. I, uh, and I really love the, uh, um, the, the, you can't really call it accompaniment, but the, uh, Ben playing the uh, hurdy-gurdy. I mean, there were, you know, my sense was that, oh, it was kind of guitar with hurdy-gurdy accompaniment. But what Ben was doing was very much its own thing. It was really, uh more than complimentary it was like a, it was a duet right you know? ben grossman for those who weren't there it's a he's, he's they're great they're great guys yeah and ben has this space called silence which is it's a new kind of space in guelph and it's a performance space but it's also a multi-purpose space do you find as a performer that you're often playing in places like that uh, given what you do or are you playing more conventional places uh both on this recent tour there were a number of um uh, you know, you, you play the usual bars and stuff like that. But even even the bar setups now are people are thinking in terms of like listening room. So they're devising ways to still serve drinks to people that you know that want to get drinks or to uh, keep their their business up on a Friday night or Saturday night or something. Yet still have uh, a, a place where people can listen to music and really listen. And so there weren't any. Um, there weren't any gigs where I felt like I was just playing to a noisy crowd that oh, okay. could, could have cared less about what I was doing. And, I, you know, I played in uh, studios, uh, house concert type setups, but then like, you know, big theaters like the, uh, you know, one, the marquee was Arlo Guthrie, Glenn Jones, Don McLean, you know. And I was like, man, those guys have really come down in the world, you know. So. <laughs> Wait, was that a, was that one gig or was that just? That was one gig, yeah. yeah. Did, Wait, did you play with Arlo Guthrie? No, no, no. Oh, I see. The marquee I see. was for three, ah, night, I the see. three successive three nights. Three nights, okay, okay. Okay, well, that's yeah. good company to have. I guess. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Arlo <laughs> Guthrie, that's that's pretty good. I mean, Ar- Arlo's cool. I don't know about Don McLean, but... Uh, I don't know much about Don McLean <laughs> except for the one song, American yeah. Pie, right? I mean, is there any... Did he have other songs? I had other songs. He didn't have other hits. Other you know? hits, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a, that's, a, you know, that's a pervasive song. For, for what it's worth, you know, sometimes 
as an artist, you just put something out there and then something happens to it. You know, if that was like a little indie hit or something, people would be like, oh, it's the most brilliant song ever. But because it became so pervasive and omnipresent, yeah. it loses its luster. I, I think that's true. I mean, for years, I wouldn't see the movie um, uh, Deliverance because of the dueling banjo right. theme. I hate it. It was like a big hit in the radio. You couldn't escape it for a good summer and a season or something like that. And I saw I just avoided the movie, and then I saw the movie just a few years ago. It's a great film. It's a great film. It's yeah. a gritty, harsh film. But, yeah. I mean, but the, yeah, you're right. And then, and then dueling banjos becomes creepier and creepier because it has kind of a nice, you know, jovial kind of lilt to it. And then you watch Deliverance, and you're like, ah, that's like the creepiest song ever. It's like yeah. the psycho music or yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's that's good. I, 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 I just, when I was watching you last night, and I've seen many performers like you, I sometimes wonder about uh, your audience and, and, and how it must work for you because it's not, you know, you're not obviously making something that transcends uh, to some kind of larger audience, and you must be okay with that on some level. Like you're making, well, music. I think you you have to be. You know, either either that or you should be making some other kind of music or right. making way some uh, some other way through life. You know, you mentioned last night that uh, the first person that really inspired you to pick up guitar was Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. one of the most popular figures ever <laughs> yeah. in terms of music. Uh, where so did you ever try to play music like? sort of rock-oriented music? Well, I was in a band uh, called Cul-de-Sac for about uh, just shy of 20 years, which was uh, kind of... Um, I, uh, the, the word post-rock was coined to describe us in an article in the Village Voice, and post-rock is a term that's still used uh, to describe a number of bands. Um, you know, before that, we were just called a crowd rock band, but we were incorporating elements of Americana, fingerstyle guitar. Um, we covered uh, uh, John Fahey's song and uh, Tim Buckley's song on our mm-hmm. first album um, and you know we toured for 20 years we did uh, several long tours with um, Damo Suzuki the singer from Cannes and um, put out an album uh, of recordings with Damo we also collaborated with John Fahey in 1996 um, so yeah we're not uh, I'm not a stranger to uh, playing rock music and I have the hearing loss to prove it you know, so. <laughs> So this is obviously a more a tranquil, a more peaceful approach uh, when you go out on the road on your own. It is in some ways. Um, I mean, um, I miss the chemistry that I had with uh, cul-de-sac. I mean, it's uh, it's it's you definitely understand what it's like playing with other people when you've done it for twenty years. You develop a real um, camaraderie, uh, and you know sometimes not just uh, all, all in a good way, you know, but you. Um, you c- begin to know what the other musicians are likely to do. Sometimes you feel like before they even know what yeah, they're likely yeah. to do. And if you're having an off night or something, you can kind of depend on your co-workers to lift you or carry you or something like that. When you're playing solo, you don't have that. And so I miss that aspect. But what I don't miss is the lugging around of amplifiers and the trying to uh, juggle four people's schedules in order to put a tour together. And at this point, I'm ready not to play loud music anymore and um, to kind of get back to uh, the place that I started, which was the acoustic guitar. And Part of the segue uh, into acoustic instruments came with the the last studio, the last cul-de-sac studio album, which was called Death of the Sun, which is a very processed, very electronic uh, album, a lot of samples and stuff like that on it. And what I found in the recording of that album is that the the instrument that had the the greatest um, contrast to the electronic stuff were acoustic instruments. You didn't need more electricity. You know, you needed more 
you know, strings moving wood, moving air, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that kind of got me back into uh, playing acoustic uh, again, as did uh, the discovery of uh, Jack Rose and a number of younger players, uh, younger than me, who were, um, as soon as I heard them, knew that these, these people had grown up on the same records that I had grown up on and were as obsessed with them as I had been and am, you know. So it was kind of an organic, so cul-de-sac kind of ended... In, of its own volition, kind of, it ended because of this sort of organic discovery of... of no, I, I pulled the plug on it. It oh, was okay. <laughs> 2009, I realized, would be our 20th anniversary. And when I when that struck me, I was like, I don't want to celebrate a 20th anniversary hmm. of the band. I felt like, okay, this is this is enough. What, so was it amicable? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I have, okay. uh, I have um, uh, very good relationships with uh, the former band members and, and see at least Robin, the person I work with the longest. He was the uh, electronic synthesizer guy. Uh, he and I go back a long ways in Boston, and he lives not far from me, and I see him fairly often. Some of the other former players, uh, Chris Fujiwara, the original bass player, is now the film programmer for the Edinburgh uh, Film Festival in Scotland. He's a, a pretty big deal in terms of uh, film criticism and film theory and all that. He's written books on uh, um, a, a number of uh, filmmakers and uh, is considered one of the preeminent film scholars. Oh, okay. Yeah. So everyone's okay. Everyone's good. You right? didn't leave anybody in the lurch. Not that I know of. Uh, you know, um, yeah, they're all out there doing yeah. other things. That's so. good. Yeah. That's good. You mentioned uh, John Fahey, mm-hmm. and uh, you have a very interesting relationship with John Fahey. He kind of started as a someone you admired, and then you came to know him, right? Yes. Um, I I first heard him in 1971 on record, and that influenced me a great deal. It made me realize that, um, as I like to say, you know, the um, the bands that were playing at the time that I was a teenager, I had this idea that, you know, you needed to be in a band to play music, to be, to be cool, to express whatever you were trying to express, you know. And so I looked to, like, Jefferson Airplane or, or whoever it was. You know, it's like, oh, you need, a, you need a singer, you need lyrics, you need a bass player, you need a drummer, you know. And when I heard Fahey, I realized you didn't necessarily need all those things. I mean, all those things are fine, but one person with an acoustic instrument could tell stories, paint pictures in your mind, and uh, that um, that revelation kind of put me on the uh, path that I'm on today. And you came to know him. What what was he like? What if you can give us an impression of John Fahey? Because he's this he's this figure that looms large over the kind of music you make and yeah. over the over the guitar, frankly. Yeah. And uh, so, but I think he's also somewhat underappreciated on some level. Can you maybe talk about... I'll, I'll try. John, John is uh, an iconoclast. And to people that didn't know John, it's very, very difficult to describe the kind of person he was. He was a, a man that thought about his own past, not in a nostalgic way, but as a way of trying to understand the person that he was now. Um, he was pretty hard-headed and unsentimental, and no so-called received wisdom was received by John. He questioned everything, hmm. and it made him a very interesting and provocative person to be with in terms of just talking about music or about life or whatever. And I met John when I moved to Boston in 1978. Um, I discovered when I moved there that the first paying gigs John had ever had were in Boston, and the first place that his records ever sold in any kind of quantity was also in Boston. So he had a strong connection with the town, and in the late 70s, throughout the 80s, into the early 90s even, he uh, generally played in Boston a couple times every year and sold out whatever venue he was playing in. And um, so I met him at one of those shows, and we became um, 
good friends. Every time he came to Boston, he generally stayed with me, and we'd go out and eat Chinese food and talk about, you know, Skip James and Blind Willie Johnson mm. and old girlfriends and high school traumas, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, um, But he's, he's a very hard person to describe in, you know, 20 words or less. He was a very... Uh, Compelling, uh, enigmatic, uh, funny, um, difficult, uh, cantankerous at times, um, and uh, I like to feel like I, I like to to think in his last years it was almost like he was trying to destroy his own past and build on it at the same time. Hmm. He was a uh, an artist that I think reinvented himself maybe three or four times in his career, and he was never in the the same place. For very long, you know. Did, as as guitar players, did you kind of inform each other's work, or did you feel st- always because his name is, you know, it's John Fahey? Did you feel kind of, you know, uh, not? I, I don't know how to put it exactly. Did you feel less inclined to offer him sort of advice about his playing or his work, or? After after we we he and Cul-de-sac collaborated on an album which was a nightmare to make, uh, which was called the Epiphany of Glenn Jones and John titled the album um, after reading some notes that I had written about the recording experience and that was supposed to be for a magazine but I didn't want to I didn't want John to feel like I was sucker punching him this thing came out and so I sent him the article why would he feel like just because of the tone of the piece the no it was the the tone of the piece was very uh, honest as to how just bloody-minded the sessions were. It was oh, okay. just awful. It was like being in a sensory deprivation experiment or boot camp in the military or something. I mean, it was just awful. Because of John? Uh, because of because of John and his relationship with the band. It wasn't that he was being anything other than himself. But in some ways, I was trying to control the project too much, and so he kind of wrested the project away from me. And in order for the project to, hap- uh, to have happened, I had to let go. Hmm. And that can be very difficult, you know, especially when you're working with someone who is kind of an idol of yours. And John was an idol of mine. And so the experience, we were at loggerheads, but we eventually, uh, the band and he and I made this collaboration of which I am enormously proud now. But when I sent the uh, the notes to John about this or the, you know, what was to be an article, he called me back. We hadn't talked since the session and said, you know, Glenn, these have to be the notes to the album. And I was like, yeah, John, well, you know, none of us come off very well in this. And he said, doesn't matter. It's true. Yeah. And then he titled the album The Epiphany of Glenn Jones. Mm. And after that, I felt, uh, and John even said, good, now we can be better friends. You know, now that the, you know, I saw that he had feet of clay. I didn't have to idolize him. I saw him as a person. And um, so in, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, with John the summer before he died and we went to do some mastering of one of his records and on one of the tracks I thought he had added too much um, sort of uh, echo. uh, Reverb? uh, no echo because actual echo, okay. actual echo. and with John I've, one of the things that's so amazing about his playing is he kind of stops time by like speeding up and slowing down very subtly but it, it gives his pieces a, a flow that, that, that it's, it's why nobody can really play Fahey because he had this sense of uh, movement that was organic and, and almost undetectable at the time until you like really started to take it apart and you could hear he was slowing down and speeding up. So for him to be playing with echo, which is very strict time, 
to me felt like it was taking something away from his playing. Mm. And I said that to him, and he told the engineer to take the echo off, you know. Wow. So, so I mean, in, in a sense, that was giving him advice, but he was listening to um, an evaluation of some aspect of what he was um, doing. But I would say in general, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't really give – John advice. He knew his own uh, mind very well, and the hardest uh, the hardest thing about being influenced by John is being influenced by John. Um, you know, he uh, I produced a record of his earliest recordings for Phonotone, and it's amazing to hear him in eighteen at age eighteen with the characteristic Fahey sound already in place. You know, for me, I, I would say maybe in my thirties I began to feel like I had my own voice, my own compositional style, and. A lot of that was just escaping the huge shadow of John Fahey, and I think a lot of uh, guitar players today are wrestling with the same thing. To me, John's music is still very much underground music as it was when I was coming up. It was hard to find. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. His records yeah, yeah. and... Um, but I would say he's also probably more well-known now than he was when he was alive, and there is a whole uh, resurgence of, of young players like Michael Mucci and, and many, many, many others who are coming out of the steel string guitar uh, tradition of which John is the father. He's the fountainhead, you know. So to find your own voice, I think, becomes harder when there are such enormous... Um, figures as John looming in the past. It's different when you're creating something brand new yourself. There yeah. are no rules, you know, and you can kind of go wherever you feel like going, you know. I was listening to your album with my son this morning at 630, uh, your new album, mm -hmm. My Garden State, and uh, you told some very interesting stories about it last night, and the liner notes are quite vivid as well. Uh, can you tell folks a little bit about uh, the inspiration behind this record? Because for me, from what I can tell, Based on because you mentioned you live in Boston, but you're from Jersey, mm -hmm. and this record was made in Jersey, and it feels to me like some kind of coming home aspect for you on some level. Is that fair? Like it, it does seem to be about your life and your a little bit about your childhood, even or, or your upbringing. It is to, uh, to some degree. I mean, compositionally, it isn't like I tailored my writing of any of the songs to evoke any particular thing, but I think. Um, I think it's true of all people that write music, or most people, I mean, I've not polled people, I don't know, but um, I think it's true that most people that write music um, have an association with the piece that they write to where and when they wrote it, so that maybe they think about the uh, the time of the year or the season or who they were with or where they were or the instrument they wrote it on, because, you know, sometimes the instrument kind of tells you where to go to, and, and so you end up titling pieces 
maybe around what those things evoke, but sometimes you come up with cute titles or clever titles or uh, enigmatic titles or or whatever. And for me, when I was recording this album, um, the uh, I was thinking about knowing you know, what do I want to call this album? What is this album about? Uh, is there a, is there a backstory? Um, and it occurred to me that all the pieces on the album had been written in whole or in part in New Jersey, uh, where I was for approximately the past two years or so looking after my mom in our family house, you know, and I hadn't spent any appreciable time in that house or uh, in that town since I'd been in high school. I mean, I would go home for the holidays and see family then and stuff like that, but be there a few days, week at the most or something. So to suddenly be spending uh, months at a time in that place and driving by the high school, the, the scene of my former humiliations and, uh, you know, the places that I'd played with friends and, uh, you know things I'd done and stuff like that. It was. Uh, you it know, has not- to. It has to weigh on you. I, I know. Last night you were saying that. Uh, you know, a lot of writers have kind of read too much into mm. the kind of conceptual framework of the record that they view because mm-hmm. that's what we do sometimes as journalists. You're like, "What does this mean?" Oh, he's kind of telling us what it means. It's sort of about him yeah. and his life. But <clears throat> you tried to deflect that in your in your banter last night. Yeah. But clearly, being in this surrounding must have some impact on what you actually create. I suppose so. Um, I mean, my music tends to be kind of melancholy and depressing anyway. So being in a more melancholy and depressing situation is, uh, I don't know, maybe more fuel for the fire. I don't know. But there is, a, there is, there is uplift as well as, on, as, a, as a reflection, I think, on the album. And um, how much that plays into it, I really can't say. You know? Um, you know, but one of the people I was talking with about the album with, uh, a writer, uh, who's doing an article for the magazine was really like playing up the, uh, you know, almost like it was a rock opera or something like Tommy or Diamond Dogs or something oh, like I that, see. you know. And I was like, no, it's not that, you know. I mean, the, I really just consider it the latest collection of songs. But it does have a unique um, place in my own experience in that I can't help but hear and associate um, the, the pieces with where I was and what I was doing at that time. You know, when I when I do Bergen County Farewell, I kind of see... Uh, the empty family house yeah. and the door closing for the last time. You see, know? see, see, that's interesting. That you're articulating this thing that, as a, as someone external to your music, uh, I think you, you, there's maybe a, it's maybe a, I don't know what to call it exactly, but it's probably just a fallback position to try to apply some kind of narrative arc mm-hmm. to what's going on, because you know, without lyrics or, or whatever, people maybe don't know what's going on yeah. you're, you're articulating yourself purely through your expression on the guitar or your, your whatever instrument you're playing so you know i think for someone outside of that they're trying to in order to try to really feel like they've grasped onto it they they want to apply some meaning to something mm-hmm. and that must happen to you does that happen often because you're making music that yeah. is so open to interpretation that that it could mean anything yeah, but 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 then you find that people are applying specific things to it that you had never considered. I th- I think it's a human uh, a human trait to uh, look for uh, meaning, or if not meaning, at least something that you can relate to to something that you're hearing. And if it doesn't, you know, if the, if if it isn't the Beatles singing about a yellow submarine, it's an instrumental piece. You kind of wow, geez, it feels like it feels like summer feels or it feels like uh it feels like when i broke up with my girlfriend right. in high school or, or something you know but i and for me this is what these pieces feel like and so i thought rather than be cryptic about it or elusive about it let me say 
what these pieces mean to me. I guess I'm a little bit deflective about uh, that because I don't I don't want the experience to be so specific that a listener coming to it has to have those images in his or her mind. I I, I, I hopefully the music speaks to one whether you know what it means to me or not. Mm. But in order to keep the um, uh, the playing that I do fresh to me, um, I like to have those uh, um, those things in, in my mind when I play. And when I lose my connection to those things, which you can do by, by playing a piece a lot, eventually you feel like I've gotten as much out of this as I can get out of it. That's when I let the pieces go. So I... Well, I what do you mean let them go? I, I stop playing them. You just stop playing them? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people play where I'm watching them and they just seem so disengaged from their material. And my feeling is like, well, if he doesn't care about it, why should I care of about course. it? You know? so, um, so if I stop caring or I feel like my interest uh, is waning, it's, it's time to write some new stuff. You sure, know, to, sure. So it eventually, it was, it, essentially, if I'm playing it, I care about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's fair. And, and, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you were, you were home to take care of your mother mm-hmm. and uh, she suffers from Alzheimer's, correct? That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, and you mentioned last night, and I believe it's also in the liner notes, that uh, she's doing better. Yeah, she's doing, I mean, as well as you can be yeah. <laughs> having Alzheimer's. But, um, yeah, she's doing great. Uh, I mean, people are always interested in that aspect of it, too. Oh, does it have a happy ending? I mean, it's ultimately, it's not going to have a happy ending because it can't. But she's she's uh, doing fantastically well, much better than me or my four sisters ever anticipated because she's such a, uh, she's so independent and doesn't like to be helped. And we thought we're putting her in a, in a Alzheimer's care facility where, care is the, the, a big part of what it's all about and she needs that help even if she thinks she doesn't you know she yeah. she remembers that she's always been able to put her shoes on herself or her jacket on herself and now suddenly she can't but she doesn't remember that she can't you know so it's um i don't know it's a it's it's a, a very pleasant surprise to us that she has um fit in there so well uh, that they love her there she's still i mean she can't remember anything for 10 minutes but she's still her funny sarcastic self and uh you know she's still very much mom when we go to see her and so as long as that lasts that's great and she's um uh comfortable and she's content and i mean we're all going to go some way so you can't really uh you, you know you can't really um find anything bad about that i mean that she is you know generally quite happy and pleasant spirits no it's great and uh, you know again i think when you say that people want to figure out if there's been a happy ending it's again trying to apply some kind of narrative (laughs) (laughs) to your record which is it's natural it stands alone and uh, it's a beautiful record and i i encourage people to check it out it's out on thrill jockey records that's right and you can learn about it there at thrilljockey.com it's called my garden state and uh by the way and i know this is sort of part of a tradition but you actually include uh, the tunings uh, why why do you do that? Why did you do that That's, for each of your songs? Because you play in alternate tunings. and I use like partial capos and yeah. stuff like that. Part of it is an homage to Fahey, who uh, on many of his records included the, the tunings of the songs. Um, the other part of it is if I, if I do stop playing a song for a while and then want to come back to it, I know where I can find the <laughs> tuning if, I, if I've forgotten it over time. And that has happened. You know, I had to go on like a, a YouTube clip to remember how I played uh, David and the Phoenix, a song that I had dropped for a while and then sort of brought back for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, a few people had requested. I'm like, oh, yeah, I still do kind of enjoy playing this again, you know. But so does that, does, uh, do you ever th- when you get to that point where, like, you can't remember how a song is tuned or, or how to play it, do you ever think, like, why am I doing this? Why do I make things so complicated? Uh, no, never. You like <laughs> that's part of the challenge, right? It's 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 part of how I write. Uh, for me, 
Um, you know, people will say, well, the alternate tuning, then you have to learn the scale and the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. like I don't worry about any of that stuff. None of the none of the technical stuff concerns me very much. I much prefer to not know what I'm doing, to uh, uh, throw obstacles in my path that I have to learn to, um, you know, to adjust myself to when I'm walking through whatever new landscape I'm in. And that's how that's how I write a new piece, you know, by stumbling around in the dark for a while and trying to find something logical and coherent in what is illogical and incoherent right right well that's great no it's it's amazing as i say it's a beautiful record and uh i'd like to maybe go to a piece from it uh before we end this thing but uh i do want to point out that you're driving to boston today yeah how long is that going to take you from Uh, nine hours according to MapQuest. (laughs) nine hours you're still using MapQuest. Uh, well, to, to to figure it out, but I use the GPS once I get in the car. Okay, you don't use like uh, Google Maps or there's all sorts of funny maps. I haven't heard anyone mention MapQuest in a while. <laughs> well, you get a good sense of just how much of a luddite I am. You know, so. Are you using it on Lycos or Alta Vista or <laughs> what, what? What's your browser? I, I have this. I have this. Uh, I have this. Like you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious. So what do you what do you travel around in? What's your vehicle? Uh, it's a Toyota Corolla. Oh, those are beautiful cars. Yeah. What year you got there? Uh, 2002, I think. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice year. I can't remember. It's my mom's car. Oh, it's your mom's car? <laughs> yeah. She doesn't drive anymore. No, no. no. Oh, those are good cars. I, I have a Toyota myself. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a nice little salute to the Toyota company right now. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck on your drive. And uh, Glenn, can you... Can, can we go to a song right now? Is that okay? Yeah, that, what well. would you like to hear from uh, my garden state? Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. That's a good one. Maybe. How about the Vernal Pool? The Vernal Pool. Yeah. Now, this is a, you, you basically went to a, a, an area where there is, what was it, there's toads or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the backstory on this is that um, when I make my albums, a lot of times uh, I like to include uh, the sounds of the environment where I'm making the record. And this is as much for me as for, you know, an audience vibe or something. I like to remember mm-hmm. where I was and all that. So, uh, Laura Baird of the uh, Baird Sisters, her sister is uh, Meg, who was in. Um, uh, Espers. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Laura recorded the album at her studio farm in Allentown, New Jersey. And so we went out for a walk one day, just recording the sounds of the water and you know, the leaves rustling and stuff like that. And I didn't use any of those uh, specific recordings on the album. But one of the places that she took me to is a vernal pool where spadefoot frogs live under the ground like most of their lives. And when uh, the pool overflows in like uh, heavy rains or something the frogs come up to like mate and fight and screech and then they go back under the ground for you know however long until the hibernate right exactly yeah yeah. so um i thought it was an interesting story when we came back i had her play the the sounds that we had just made in my headphones while i was recording and so i was kind of it was kind of a call and response to uh, the nature sounds, but then I didn't use the nature sounds for that particular piece on the record. It's just like a way of kind of um, playing with space, you know. And so it's an improvised piece. It was made up on on the spot when I got back, and it's one of my favorite pieces on the record, just because um, it still surprises me too, you know. Nice. So. All right. Well, let's hear it now. This is the Vernal Pool from uh, My Garden State by Glenn Jones. Glenn, it's a great pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for the invitation. That's where the frogs live.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.